Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. As we are looking back on another away defeat for Forrest. 2-0 at Villa Park against Aston Villa. And it's a result which sees the Reds drop into the bottom three of the Premier League. Forrest set up with a 3-4-1-2 at Villa Park. A starting 11 of Navas in goal. Joe Worrell, Felipe, Musaniakate as a back three. Nico Williams and Harry Toffolo as wingbacks with Shelby... Kiate and Danilo in the middle. And then up front, a two of Brennan Johnson and Morgan Gibbs-White. Forrest were reasonably solid in the first half, got to the break at nil-nil. And then a moment of madness from John Joe Shelby early in the second half, gifted Villa the lead. And Forrest never really came back from it. And Ollie Watkins set the seal on a Villa victory in injury time with his goal making it 2-0 and another defeat for the travelling Reds fans to witness. It's Stephen and I've got Tom with me to look back on the game and we were among that visiting contingent, Tom. Lovely day in Birmingham weather-wise, just that the result didn't quite live up to it. Yeah, pretty much. It's another away defeat and it's another gutless performance. Um, I've just come back from... um, Honeymoon in Mexico, and I watched the um, Forest Leeds game with a bunch of Leeds fans in the sports bar at the hotel. And Leeds, I know um, we played Villa yesterday, but I'll come on to the performances. But the Leeds uh, game, Leeds players were like playing like the life depended on it. They were fighting for a city. They were fighting for the fan base. They were smashing into tackles. They were putting the bodies on the line and everything. And Forest, it was gutless, and they just went off the field. Um, whether two one defeat and yesterday was the was the same. There's for whatever reason they will just not have a go, and it's just a gutless, spineless performance. And 
I, I just think when that first goal, well, the first goal was kind of here we go again. The first half, I thought it was pretty solid without being spectacular. And then two minutes in the second half, play your lines. We're not Man City. You, you were not going to play it out from the back under pressure and then get up the field. Just hit it out for throwing on the halfway line. We can regroup and everything. No, it's just a half arse pass to, I think it was near Carter from Shelby. And then Troy has just like swept the ball in and he's not going to miss that a play of his quality, whereas play for Chelsea, Leon, and obviously is at Villa now. But it's not just the goal what's gone in. As soon as that goal goes in, heads will drop because, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And, and that trans um, that just went towards the away following because you just look, here we go again. Mm. And it's the same old making mistakes and everything. And like I said, we was in the game at that point, like I said, without being spectacular. But that goal goes in, heads drop. Fans are like, oh, here we go again. And it's hard to rally around them because the writing's on the wall. And and with our away form of the, the season, it's been atrocious, really. But it's just, we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And and like I says, you got Steve Cooper says, oh, got to stop making mistakes and this, that and the other. But time's running out for us, unfortunately. And it was always going to be tough anyway, going to Villa, because they're in really good form and have been for a few weeks now. They seem to be winning most matches and, and scoring a fair few goals. And I think for us going there, a point would have been a good result. And at half time, I was quite happy with potentially taking a point. So then when you have that moment in the second half where you've basically just thrown away the lead and given it to them, you think, well, here we go again. And it is, it, it's just making life more difficult for ourselves. We'll come on to the um, Shelby moment a little bit later. We'll just take it back to the first half. The team news with the three at the back and Joe Worrell returning as part of that back three. Were you happy with that? Did you see that as a sensible move, given the form of the opposition that we were up against? I do, and it's back to what, Steve Cooper's preferred formation is by having wing backs in the three centre halves and and with like Nico will we know he's got his limitations as a right back, but as a right wing back, he's more suited to that. And I thought he had a better game yesterday and I thought Toffolo was um, okay in periods and then the three centre halves of like they can defend. Um Nick Atty's got a bit of pace about him. Uh Felipe's quite composed on the ball and you got Warloo's had a decent game yesterday um, and we've not said that away from home have we this season many times so I think it was Steve Cooper's preferred system to play and it was working mm. uh, without um, giving Martinez too much to do or or anything but like I said as soon as the second half uh, starts two minutes in we shoot ourselves in the foot and all that all, all that good work has just been undone by a moment of it's just rubbish, isn't it? Well, I mean, if it was a young lad, you kind of think, oh, he's inexperienced and everything. This is John Joe Shelby, who's mm-hmm. played what over two hundred games, and he's had he's played. I think he's played for England and played at like for Newcastle. So, he's, so he's got pedigree, but it just it just rubbish, wasn't it? Just yeah, the, the situation what we're just hit it out for like a throw in on the halfway line, and we step up and. And regroup, but no, you've just gifted them a goal and here we go again, same old throw us away from home. 
Forest in that first half, I think, did quite well to nullify Villa and keep the home fans quiet as well. That was a positive, even though we couldn't build on it ultimately. 32 minutes, Czech Kiyote pulls up with what looks like a hamstring strain. He goes off and is replaced by Remo Freuler. And again, it looks like this injury curse is continuing and we lose another player who's just come back from injury. Hopefully it's not too serious, but it looks like we can't keep players on the pitch and keep them fit. It's like all the good work, what you do in the week. I mean, well, since what would they've had, they would have had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as a game plan and, and everything. And that gets thrown out the window because we can't keep players on the pitch. And all right, Froyle has uh, played in the system, so it's not like he's unknown to the system, but it's just like he, he set up all week and then it's another player and another player. Then obviously Moussa Carter goes off at the end yeah. of um, end of the game. And it's just like, I'm, I'm not making an excuse because we've not been good enough away from home. But again, something's... Something needs to be done in terms of internal investigation of what's keep happening with all these players. Whether we're overplaying them, because um, we haven't got that quality and depth, we have to keep mm. playing them. And the and some are at bloody breaking point, and it's like, oh, can we get that just that little bit more out of them? And because of the Premier League, it's it's quicker, it's more technical, and we're probably like maybe pushing players a bit too much because there isn't anybody else beyond that, if you know what mm. I mean. Um, and it, so creates, it creates a vicious circle, doesn't it? Where you have players who are injured, so you're playing other players to cover for those injuries and probably putting those players at more risk of injury. And then the injured yeah. players come back, they're replacing more injured players and it's just a constant cycle that we, we can't seem to get ourselves out of. Yeah, and it's been happening all season, hasn't it? I mean, if you look at how the season's gone... Two games in, near Carter get gets injured, then uh, Awani gets injured, and mm. then we have the World Cup and Kiata gets injured, and we come back from the World Cup and Henderson um, is injured. Then we have yeah. this game against Fulham and your two centrals um, are injured. Then you got Lingard who he hasn't been fit all season really, has he? Mm. So yeah. then you got Mangala who was out for uh, a long amount of time. I think it was after the Everton game. So we have. I'm not making excuses, but because at the end of the day, they are facts and the spine of our team. When I, I was walking out the ground with a Villa fan yesterday and he was like saying, do you think you go down? I says, yeah, we're willing to. Oh, no, you might stay up. I says, well, look at our, um, look at our running. He says, oh yeah, bloody hell, it is tough. And I says, well, then then I told him, reeling off all the injuries and says, you ain't got a hope, have you? And I says, no, we haven't because that, the facts are the facts. We've got a really tough running against what, the likes of um, Man U, Liverpool, etc. And then you got the injuries on top of that, and yeah. you just can't keep doing it. And then you got players who probably haven't been as injured as other players, but they've got to be at breaking point because of how much time they've had to put in. We have like Morgan Gibbs White, for example. I don't think he's had a real rest, has he? And he hasn't been performing to the best of his capabilities over the last month, but. It's, it's just not great, is it? No. And I, I have sympathy for Steve Cooper. I think that's been a very difficult job for him to juggle all of the injured players whilst trying to integrate so many new players into the squad this season. I think he's had a very difficult task. And 
a lot has been said about the number of players that Forrest have brought in this season, but I look at it and think if we'd not done that, we'd probably be 10 points adrift at the bottom of the league and completely cut adrift. So it's worked to a degree to keep our head above water, but every time we've been on the brink of getting a settled side together and at a point where Steve Cooper knows his best team, he's lost players through injury, key players, and it's really set us back. Yeah. And you've got the likes of Ryan Yates, who we've really missed his tenacity in the midfield. He's been out missing. It's just... Yeah, he has been given uh, given a hard job to do uh, since the summer, integrating all these players. And I just thought yesterday, it's just, it's not. I'm not saying it's not Steve Cooper's fault, but his his role is head coach. He's not manager. He's head coach. So you got all these players in, which I suggest not all were his choices. I don't know who, but I wouldn't say every single one of them players is a Steve Cooper choice. But I just think. When you look back a year ago, um, last Easter weekend, um, okay, we lost against um, Luton on Good Friday in controversial circumstances, but then we beat West Brom 4-0 at the city ground and we absolutely steamed rolled them. And we had everybody seemed to be really connected with the players, with the club, etc. Fast forward a year on, Yesterday, mm. I, I just don't feel connected with this um, with this side. It's it's fragmented. It's it's. I mean, I know, I know Burnley have just been promoted, and from the moment they've been promoted, they can plan for the Premier League for next season. They've got seven weeks on what we had. Yeah, and I'll, I'll suggest that would make an absolute massive difference. But yeah, I just think yesterday was just. I don't want, I don't know any inside information or anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me if certain players are already um, sorting out moves next year because deep down they probably know that Forest are going to be a Premier League. Oh, sorry, going to be a Championship club, and they don't want to stick around in the Championship. And I suggest and suspect that some of those players have already got moves lined up, um, and I just feel like a real disconnect with the team on that field yesterday compared to what it was. Um, a year ago, and then on top of that, I was, I was thinking the the atmosphere in the uh, away section yesterday was rubbish. Uh, I just think it's you got like certain fans who are trying to get an atmosphere going, and there's um, people there who are just there for the day trip, and it's just really sad. And I think if we don't are a Championship club next year, you will see a different away following. Because the away following will, will all the all the um, the fans who will go there and watch Forest through thick and thin, and it's, and like I says, the atmosphere yesterday was it's rubbish. It really was rubbish, and it's just it's just been weird watching Forest away from home this season. Not just because of the performances and the results, but yeah, the atmosphere has been lacklustre at best. In many ways, in, in contrast to the home atmosphere, which at times has been fantastic and and really helped the team get over the line it's probably explains in some part the Jekyll and Hyde nature of our home and away form you've got the team performing so well at home and the fans will get behind them on the road they're not giving the fans a great deal to shout about so that's yeah. where where they find themselves at the minute and why it's so contrasting yeah and there's a um, few fans near, near me and for whatever reason didn't recognize the faces because 
as people seen and heard. I've been going to away matches for for years now, and so you kind of like recognise faces without knowing them on a personal level. And there was a couple of fans in there, mate. Oh, who's Forest number four? Mm. And who's who's um, Forest number fifteen? And I'm like, I just looked to shake my head and thinking, what? Yeah, you've got like I says. There's a small minority. They haven't got a clue what's happening on the field, and and you kind of like the the cynical side comes out. How are you getting tickets if you haven't got a clue what's happening on the field? If you don't know who certain players are, and it's not like in the old days, is it? Where like you're looking from, and you see a number fifteen or a number twelve with no name on the back, but you have got like Warrell and Toffolo, and it's mm. like how do you not know these players? And you're going to away games, and and there'll be some people who are trying to get tickets who have been going for years and can't get tickets because obviously they've been unsuccessful in getting them. And you've got people there who haven't got a clue what's going on. It's just a sad indictment of the away population makeup this year. We'll bring it back onto the pitch just for the time being and wrap up that first half. Villa had two chances, specifically Ollie Watkins. He shot his first one wide. And then the second, it was a near post effort Following across, it looks like it was saved by Navas, uh, given as a goal kick. Forrest had a moment down the right-hand side. Nico Williams was played in by Morgan Gibbs-White. His cross was cleared and Keate's shot deflected wide. And that was the real chance, if you like, that Forrest had in the first half. But it was 0-0 at half-time. And at that point, I think we were reasonably happy with the way that the game stood and Villa had not done too much, certainly hadn't tested Navas or really put us under significant pressure. And it felt at that point like it was a platform for Forrest to build on. But two minutes into the second half, John Joe Shelby, it was Bertrand Traore. He had got free down the right-hand side, put a cross in, Navas palmed it out. It comes to John Joe Shelby, who I have no idea why, tries to play a five-yard pass to Neocarte, who's in the six-yard box. It rolls straight to Triore, who tucks it into the bottom corner. Shelby's looking at Neocarte and almost blaming him for it. I don't think anybody in the stadium would have agreed with that because that one is purely on John Joe Shelby's shoulders. What was he thinking? I haven't got a clue, and it's like because it's how quick it happened with Rory having the initial shot and Navas palming it out. You have not. I, I don't care if you played at the Premier League, Champions League, or uh, playing for the Dog and Duck on a Sunday morning. John Joe Shelby hasn't got a clue what's around him. He, he can't have because it's happening so quick, and it's just like a, it. It's a. It doesn't even get to the intended target, really, does it? It's. No, it's like a half-assed pass to him, and it's like just we're not Man City. We're not playing this ball like it's not going to be bang, bang, bang through the midfield and into Haaland or whatever. We're playing we're not Forest at the arse end of the Premier League. Just play it out, corner, throw in. Just you, you know, like a, um, use your left foot and just hit it out, even though it's probably your weaker side. Just hit it out for, and we regroup. You know, it's. He's, I don't know what he's thinking, but he's basically, we've shot ourselves in the foot 
by gifting them. You know, if it was like John McGinnon, he's picked it up and he's hit a worldie from 25 yards in and it's gone into top corner, or they've like one touch passing, they've passed it around and then Watkins, you can hold your hands up thinking that's a great goal. Yeah. But you, Forrest have got to help themselves. It's, mm. it, it's not the first time, is it? It's, we've said, that, I think this has been the narrative all the way through the season, away from home. We cannot keep giving teams a leg up. And what do we do? We give them a leg up. And not only we've gifted them a 1-0 lead, the mentality of Saps, because it's like the fragility around the team thinking, oh, here we go again. We've gifted them a goal. We're not prolific scorers on the road. And not Mm. only the players' heads drop because of the fragile mentality they've got away from home, but then that transpires into the stand where the away it's like here we go again yeah. it's like in, I've been I'm not saying oh, I'm the big guy I'm in a, like, I've, I've gone to nearly every single away game this season and as soon as the goal goes in that's it because you know what's going to happen like at Spurs the the first goal when Harry Kane scores I mean alright Spurs are, are, are a decent side but at that point in their season they were camel fodder in terms of the, it was toxic around their stadium with the fan base and with Conti on the brink and everything. Can we give them a leg up? And you're kind of thinking, here we go again. And it's hard to g. It's not, it's not down to individuals, but as a fan base, it's hard to g yourself up because you think, oh, here we go again. It's Forest have shot themselves in the foot, and you just know which way the game is going to go from there on because we're not, we don't score away from home. Um. So. Um, Oh, just yeah, if Andre Shelby just hit it for a corner um, or throwing him, we regroup. But no, we're giving them a leg up. And Steve Cooper can't legislate for that. I, I have sympathy for him because the individual mistakes that we've made this season, more specifically so on the road, you can do all the coaching, you can set the team up, get the tactics in place, whatever you need to do. You can't legislate for. Shelby rolling the ball to a striker in the middle of their penalty area in front of goal. Yeah, if you look at that team yesterday, we set up pretty well in the first half. We didn't really threaten, but we're not going to threaten with how we're playing. We'll probably give them a lot of the ball. We, we dig in, we get 11 men behind the ball and we're solid. And the first half, we were solid. And the game plan, I suspect the game plan would have been yesterday, get to 60 minutes, keep it at nil-nil, and we'll have a go from there and see if we can create any openings, but try and keep it as it is. But we'll give them a goal. Then you lose a player through injury. So then certain players, then you're trying to chase the game. Then you, obviously you disrupt the whole shape of your, your team because you're trying to get something from the game because you have to. And yeah, just in the last couple of away games, well, probably more than that, but We'll go a goal down and you're trying to like try and get something, you're trying to change it, trying to like get a bit of impetus in the game. And the whole shape is completely disrupted by letting in a goal or an injury. And it's just so by the time 80 minutes comes, it's kind of we're done here because, because of the injuries and how much disruptions happened in the shape of our team. It's the writing's on the wall. But I've got the, there's this thing at the moment which I've noticed in the last couple of games. So um it's happened in which game? I think it was the it was the Leeds game and 
yeah, there was the Leeds game where you look and you think, all right, they were 2 1 up on 49 minutes, and you're thinking, okay, we've got 40 minutes to get something. And the next minute, you look at the clock, 79 minutes have gone. And you realise what Forrest actually done in the second half. And too many games this season, the second half have absolutely passed us by. And we're just running out of time to do anything in the game when we realise, oh, it's 79 minutes. We've only got, what, 15 minutes at best to get something from the game. Yeah. And when we're chasing, we we do struggle to pin teams back. Yeah. You know how Wolves did to us at the City ground a few weeks ago? Now, I, you know, I think the Wolves goal was fortunate, but it came from a period of pressure where they pinned us back in our own half. And we don't seem capable of doing that to opposition teams, on, especially away from home. And it does, it, it leads to that point where 25, 30 minutes of a game passes by without a hell of a lot happening. And before you know it, it's too late to do anything. Yeah, I was a bit critical of, we've got the 1-0 and we've been really fortunate to sit on one goal leads this season. Obviously, we've had... Um, West Ham earlier in the season where to be honest on another day they would have batted us if they uh, if luck was on their side got a 1-0 there Liverpool it was 1-0 Palace 1-0 Leeds 1-0 and it wasn't until late in the second half against Leicester where we got that second goal and we've been sitting on 1-0 Leeds and for whatever reason we're scared to actually keep doing the same things um, we played uh, Wolves last week and we bring Worrell on, and I'm not saying Worrell was the catalyst for not getting maximum points out of that game, but what you do is, if you bring another defender on, you're inviting pressure on. And I mean, I would have brought a one on and just try and keep the ball at the other end of the field. But we've got this thing at the moment where we stop doing the good things. Um, against Leeds, we look relatively decent. Um, when we had that, well, when Mangala scored, then we stop, we pack up playing. And yesterday, we looked really solid in the first half. Then we, lack of concentration, make a mistake, give them a goal. And it's just, mm. yeah, we just start, there's a couple of things what's happening is that we start playing when we're playing well, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a scared thing, like keep what we've got, if we, if it's a positive. And then we keep, um, keep giving teams a leg up. And that's been, that's why we're where we are in the league at the moment. On 65 minutes, Forrest made two changes with Worrell and Shelby going off and Awanyi and Mangala coming on and Forrest went to a back four and put more bodies up front. They had a few moments. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, he picked the ball up on the left, cut inside and beat Ashley Young, but his shot was over the bar. Danilo then broke through and had an effort, but fairly comfortable for Emmy Martinez in the Villa goal. And then a, the bigger chance, I think, was when a one you got through onto a, or got clear onto a through ball, looked like he might have just got there, but Martinez beat him to the chase. And if a one you can just knock that past the keeper and he's, he's thrown goal with an empty net, who knows what happens? We might get one, one and things play out a little differently, but as it was, Forrest couldn't find that equaliser. And then 78 minutes, Andre Ayew comes on for Danilo, which I don't think was a very effective substitution. I didn't see a lot that Ayew did. But then to compound 
Forest misery. A few minutes later, near Corte limped off and Forest couldn't make another sub because, as I understand it, while you have five substitutions available, you have three substitution windows in which to complete those five substitutions. So Forrest had used up the three windows already and didn't have the opportunity to bring somebody on for Neocarte and thus ended up playing the last 10 minutes or so with 10 men. Yeah, it's a, it's a stupid rule, isn't it? I just think it the competitiveness of a football match should be 11 on 11. Um, if you made your five subs and somebody goes off injured, I get that. And if somebody gets sent off, obviously I get that. But this is a stupid rule, isn't it? Whoever's brought that in, because what happens if you, like what happened with us a couple of weeks ago against Fulham, where two players go off at the same time, you're down to nine. Yeah. Surely that affects the integrity of the competition, of an unfair um, bias of, you know, I just I think it's a stupid rule. I really do. It's it's up there with that stupid rule when um, with linesmen they don't put the flag up until the very last minute, and someone can get like really injured there if he's like running through on goal and gets clattered with the goalkeeper. Just put your flag up, and you know what I mean. It's but yeah. there's a stupid rule regarding that um, that window. Whoever's thought of that uh, must be uh, on something that day. Funnily enough, on the offside rule. And in this game, uh, I think it was Brennan Johnson was getting free down the right-hand side. Danilo was in there as well. But the linesman immediately flagged one of them offside when Forrest potentially had a chance to be through on goal with, with players getting in behind. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't privy to uh, watching it on a stream because I was obviously at the game yesterday at Villa Park. But I, was, I just had a suspicion that because the, the Doug Ellis stand is, oh, I'm trying to, it's south, south facing, I think. So the, the sun is in the lion's eyes on our side. And he's kept shielding his eyes. And I'm like thinking, is he guessing here? <laughs> because no way, because he kept shielding his eyes. And he was like, you could see he was squinting. And I'm like thinking, how are you getting these decisions? You cannot be 100% right if you're doing all of that just to try and get a view. But then I'm going to pull it on Twitter and someone says, oh, no, all the offsides have been bang on. So, And I haven't seen those pictures. But yeah. like I says, um, it didn't, the offsides didn't really affect the game to a point yesterday, did they? Because uh, obviously we didn't hit the back of the net. No, and it was Villa who did once again late on in injury time. Ollie Watkins, who's been in fine form recently, got a goal. He had the ball outside the box, was dribbling across the the front of the penalty area. It then comes back to him off a Forest player. He sidesteps player in the box and lifts the ball past Navas as he's trying to narrow the angle. That was 2-0 and it was game over and confirmation of another defeat on the road for Forest, which when combined with results elsewhere means that Forest are in the relegation zone on goal difference. We'll leave it there for the moment and we'll now hear the opposition view on the game. And joining us now from the 
Aston Villa fan channel for the love of Paul McGrath. Here's Neil. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil from For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. I was um, obviously an Aston Villa fan and I was at the, the game against Forest today. A um, couple of takeaways, I think, from it as well, that you guys were really, really, really well-structured. Um, and I don't want to patronise any, any any Forest fans. I hope that isn't what this comes across as. I've great time for Forest as, as a team. And uh, I think that you guys could 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 uh could do massive things uh, staying in the Premier League and I hope that once again doesn't sound patronising but I think Steve Cooper got things right today he really frustrated Aston Villa Villa had a lot of the ball and we had a lot of possession but um I think that that, that Forrest looked really really resolute in in, in possession and and, and out of possession as well and um, I've got a soft spot for your defensive midfielder didn't uh, start today for uh, Fruder I really think he's a really good player when he came on. Uh, I thought he did a lot of good things um, for for Forrest, but Villa got the two goals and and they got the goals when they kind of needed them. Um, obviously, the first one was from our Maverick uh, Bertie Traore. Uh, I'm not even sure he knew he was crossing the ball when he crossed it and it bounced back to him and he puts it right in by the post. And uh, I think Forrest can feel a small bit aggrieved by that at times because I think they defended really well. Villa, as I said, Villa had a lot of the ball and and, and that was something that just kind of. Uh, kind of materialised out of nowhere. And then Ollie Watkins puts it to bed. Um, probably should have been tackled, probably should have, should have had the ball cleared. Uh, the ball came back to him and, and he sticks it in the back of the net. But, um, you know, Nottingham Forest were, it wasn't an easy day for Aston Villa. And once again, I say that from a position of, of positivity about, about Nottingham Forest because, um, you know, when you come in an away game, you, you want to make it difficult. You want to you want to come in, you want to dig in your heels and. And Forrest got everything like that right. And I, and I saw a couple of comments from Steve Cooper afterwards where he said Villa didn't really threaten. And, and I can't disagree with that. I really can't. We, we didn't really threaten at all. We had two opportunities. We put them away. You guys had an opportunity when, um, I can't remember who it was, was was through on goal. And Emmy Martinez saved through his legs. And then uh, there was another opportunity where um, you guys caught Villa's high line and and um, a ball went o went uh, over the top and Martinez had to be right off his line to come out and clear it. So there was opportunities at both sides. There was limited opportunities at both sides. And it really was a game of cat and mouse, cat and mouse in the middle of midfield, um, which I think Aston Villa kind of came out and top on and top of for a finish um, because I thought John McGinn was pretty good today. I thought that... Um, uh, I thought that Tyrone Mings was pretty good today, but there's some good Forest performances out there as well, uh, you know. So um, yeah, as I say, two 0 probably flattered Aston Villa. I think it, I think that I think any any rational Villa fan will say two 0 flattered them. But we, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying, we are on a, a crest of a wave at the moment, and um, you know, two 0 we're in sixth place at the moment. Um, Getting to sixth place, I wish it wasn't at the at, at the expense of of a team like Nottingham Forest, a team of massive history, a team that uh, I I really like. You know, there's a, there's a slight connection there as well. Going back to the days of Martin O'Neill when he managed Aston Villa, obviously Martin O'Neill being a Forest legend, and John Robertson and all that. And and I'm I'm a big fan of traditional football teams, football teams with history, football teams with with pedigree and stuff like that. And Nottingham Forest is surely one of those. And um, I certainly, as a Villa fan, will be rooting for Nottingham Forest to, to, to stave off the drop. Hey, it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The 1865 Match Report. Thanks, Neil. So next up for Forest, it's a home game against Manchester United next Sunday. This game was moved back a day because United are playing European football in midweek. For Forest, Tom, it's a home game. And despite the quality of opposition and the fact that we've been unable to beat United this season over the three games we've already played against them, on paper it it looks like another defeat potentially, but... At home, I'm hopeful that Forrest can at least give a better account of themselves and have a go and just see what happens on the day. Yeah, it'd be a typical Forrest uh, um, performance, whereas as bad as they've been over the last couple of games, they will go and get something next Sunday. It's just a typical <laughs> Forrest thing. And the good thing about it, I don't think Rashford's going to be fit, is he? He limped off yesterday against Everton. And no. he's really been the fun in our um, side when we played Man U over the um, two Carabao Cup legs and the, the league game just after Christmas. So, But obviously, we've got other quality in there with uh, Casemiro, um, etc. So, uh, But yeah, I just would like to see Forrest have a go, like they did against um, Liverpool. And yeah, you never know. I like says that it's the hope what kills you. And, and the thing is, nothing's been determined. All right, it's going to be an incredibly difficult game with the quality Man United have got. But there's always a chance and and we're at home, so you, you don't know what might happen. So, uh, I mean, we've done all right against the top sides, haven't we, this season? Uh, we've got a 1-1 against, um, well, not really a top side this season, but we've got a 1-1 against Chelsea, uh, beat Liverpool, got a 1-1 against um, uh, Man City. We yeah. did all right up until like the ninety first minute against Newcastle to a point, because um, it I think we would have got a point there if it wasn't for that stupid handball um, given away. And uh, all right, we lost against uh, Spurs earlier in the season, but you, you just don't know. And if Rashford's uh, out, it's it's a massive boost for us because I think without his goals, I don't think Manu will be in the position where they are this season because he's been in uh, outstanding form and he's probably like been. Pound for pound this season on current form, he's probably been one of the best strikers in Europe, if not the world. He has, yeah. And from the Forest point of view, the next two fixtures at home to Man United and away to Liverpool, if you're looking at it realistically, we're probably still going to be in the relegation zone after those two fixtures. But Forest at home are a very different side this season to the team that turns up away. So there's a chance that Forrest could get a positive result. And I do think we've got a surprise result still in us to come. Whether that's a win here against Man United or a win at Chelsea, I think we've still got a big result in us to come. And why not think that it could happen next Sunday? I think you've got to think, haven't you? Because 
you've got to G yourself up and try and generate an atmosphere in there to help the players along. If we're, the writing's already on the wall, it's like, well, what's the point in turning up? So we've got to like dig in somewhere for, as a fan base and have that belief that, yeah, something might happen next Sunday against Man United. So, um, But it's, it's the thing with football fans, isn't it? It's always the hope what kills you. I think it's that hope that is going to keep us going this season, particularly now that we have dropped into the bottom three. You've just got to hope that there's enough going on above you that teams take points off one another in that bottom eight, bottom nine, and that Forrest can find some form from somewhere and some results because law of averages would suggest that we've got to turn this form around at some point and start picking up some points again, particularly wins more so, because I think that's really what we're going to need to do now to claw ourselves out of the bottom three. In terms of formations, tactics, personnel, what are you hoping to see from Forrest next week against Man United? I would like them to play with an actual striker, i.e. Awani. Um, because we've tried it so many times this season with not playing a striker. Like yesterday, Johnson and Gibbs-White was playing, then we had that uh, front three of Lingard, Gibbs-White and Johnson. and It hasn't really worked, has it, really? And when we have played a striker, oh, it wasn't great when he came on yesterday, whether the the rest of the players were too far away from him to actually give him anything apart from that. He had a couple of chances, didn't he, where he went through and it, I think he, he saw Martinez coming and I think he... You've half bottled it to be honest because uh, he let he let Martinez just get a clean sweep of the ball and clear it away from the Villa goal. Then there was that one where he went through. Then he's like wondering what to do, kind of thing. And then he passed it out onto the far side, and it went back. And you're thinking we was on like a one on one there. So, but I think he needs to get back to match sharpness. And um, yeah, I'd like to play a striker um, next week. Um, and probably keep the if hopefully Nick Carter's injury is not as bad as, but if he doesn't play, you got McKenna, who's a left-footed centre half. So I'd like to keep and hopefully Ori be back, and yeah. and hopefully Lodi's back because the fullbacks has probably been our biggest. Um, well, apart from like uh, Johnson getting the goals, I think it's been a massive positive for our fullbacks. I think that's been the most settled area of the pitch this season with. Loddy at left back and uh, Ari at right back. So hopefully them two are back. Um, and the midfield, it's well, we know Kiata is not going to be fit. I'd like to see Freud, Danilo, and the eights in there because I think that that three will work. Like you got Freud just behind them, obviously, you can uh, pull them about and be the organizer and the tenacity of Danilo and uh, Yates in there. Then obviously. Awani, hopefully, and Gibbs White and Johnson. I think that will be the nucleus of a decent side and hopefully getting something against Man United next week. Yep, fingers crossed. Thanks, Tom. We will leave our match report there. Thank you also to our Aston Villa fan, Neil, for joining us and offering the opposition view on this game. We will be back with you next weekend with our reports following the Manchester United match. So until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.